Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Way, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Way wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, friends. This is Sarah May, and this is a podcast about when your body has a mind of its own. And what I mean that by that is when you kind of have to break out of the bubble that is your mental muscle memory. So it's when your body is on autopilot and your brain has just begun to obey based on just repeated habits. You have habits of feeling a certain way when you're in the corresponding environments. So when you, stop, when you start to suffer from habitual thinking and it's stuff that you don't like, you start to have a harder time undoing it and untraining it. And it's because you just get trapped in a a physically ingrained system of thinking. And that's just what happens over time. Your brain gets trained into feeling certain emotions and you just grow used to that. So it becomes unconscious. It's like when you've peeled an apple so many times, you just don't think about it anymore. Or when you drive the same route to work, you don't think about it at a certain point. So the same thing happens when you feel certain emotions. Even if those emotions are unpleasant, they become unconscious. And that's when you begin to feel the most inclined to be that way. And it grows to be your normal. So it becomes where you are the most comfortable, despite that it's an emotion that doesn't feel good. So when you're working on creating a positive change or change of any kind, it'll kind of feel uncomfortable or tedious or even scary because it feels insurmountable. Like the bigness of that work is so intimidating, but it's not that hard in reality. It's just because you have grown so used to feeling bad or whatever it is, and now you're associating that with comfort and safety. It's what you know. So I know this is a lot to take in. It's a very dense topic, and there are lots of facets, but I'm going to go through this in very simple terms in three parts. Part one is what this feels like, basically like habits that might be, you might be enacting right now if you're in a bubble like this. Part two is why did this happen to you in the first place? And that's kind of like just very, very dumbed down version of the science that's behind this. And then number three is how you can change this state and basically what steps you can take right now to change. So here we go. Part one, what it feels like to be trapped by a subconscious setting in your brain, aka mental muscle memory. So this is the first example of what this muscle memory might sound like being uh, worried or depressed i i heard you got a promotion congrats man that that's wonderful i'm lucky i didn't get fired they've been having layoffs at this company in canada and i just saw that on the news and it's just it's just crazy i mean these days i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop whoa yeah that's um that is 
Terrible. And the next example, guilt, or the chronic, I am not good enough, or I am undeserving of happiness. This dinner was amazing. Well done. So much work went into it. Well, I didn't get the potatoes out in time. I should have done that yesterday and reheated it. It would have been much better with the potatoes. I'm so bad at timing meals and organizing things. I've just never been good at this. You, you planned it all perfectly. You no, were... I didn't. I didn't. I really didn't. And we all thought it was delicious. No, it wasn't. It was terrible. I'm sorry you had to eat it. The next example, workahol, or a subconscious addiction to your job's rules and culture. Hey, babe. This hotel has five different pools. I thought... We could spend the day just reading at each one of them. Wait, are you on the phone? Hey, we're, we're on vacation. I know, I know. I'm just, just replying to, uh, to this, you know. person just totally messed up. It's just a copy machine. It's just a... I just really have to write back. Hey, that's going to get solved without you writing back. No, it, it seriously won't. I mean, they're, like, helpless without me. Your boss... Your boss can figure it out. She's just dealing with so many things. She's probably not going to get to it till the end of the day. And this is just faster. I mean, seriously, if I don't help, no one knows how to work that thing. And just it's going to be a nightmare. Think about yourself for a moment. Did any of these sound familiar? There are tons of different habit addictions. And that's because most of the time you don't even notice yourself falling into them. Which brings me to part two. Why did this happen? Um, there are two different habitual traps, and I'm going to go into a little bit of the science, and also I'll post the references to the um, research I used in the blog version of this. Um, so the first of these two habitual traps is chemical, and it's basically when you have a habit of feeling a certain way, like, for example, guilty, it results from an emotional belief that gets reinforced just with repetition, and you just get a chemical charge each time you feel that way. So your life, if you have a certain belief, your life will continually prove that belief to you in different situations. Um, and your brain will literally grow a tolerance to feeling that chemical release of that emotion. So if you have a habit of feeling guilty, your body literally grows a tolerance to feelings of guilt because it just gets to be normal. Because that is a belief you have about yourself. So any experiences that might make you feel at fault, you're going to feel experiences of guilt, like chemical gushes of guilt. So just like when you do a drug, your body will grow tolerance to it. The same goes for a mental chemical release. So after a while, you're going to get tolerant to that guilt chemical rush and you're just going to need more and more of it to feel the, the effects at all so in other words you're feeling guilty all the time you're expressing that guilt to other people but that's just your normal state of being and so you're not even feeling it like everyone else is witnessing it like you're that's just normal i'm just i'm just i'm always guilty ah i just ah, i feel so bad i always feel so bad like that just becomes you it's who you are what this means is if you have an emotional belief for example, I am not good at being organized, or I'm just not good at uh, anything, let's say. That just gives you a chemical gush, and your body grows used to it with repetition. So if bad things happen and you think, oh, it's because of me, I'm not good at anything, 
you will go through the same types of feelings and then that feeling becomes normal and that just becomes the way that you feel safe becomes the go-to state it's not that you like it it's just what you revert back to because it's familiar like oh this feels like stable footing yeah this is where I should be and that's usually when you start not liking being the spotlight or people calling out what is great about you so are you the type who feels discomfort when you're complimented because if so that's likely a sign that you have some trained in low self-worth thought structures and it doesn't mean you are self-loathing consciously it just means you're trapped in a cycle of behaving and thinking as someone who is self-loathing so if you're recognizing this pattern you owe it to yourself to change it and it's just something because of muscle memory it's just a role that's embedded and you just feel safe there so the second habitual trap is created by the routine itself and what I mean by that is just like um, when you go through something like let's say work it's a habit you go through like a loop the routine you get stuck in that habit and it's hard to ever see your way out of it because you are rewarded for thinking within this structure so, for example, a place like work, there are specific rules, there's a specific, it's a culture, and all the values pertain to that culture, and everyone in that culture participates based on the same rules socially. So, it's like you you get used to being inside that world, and you're rewarded for, for enacting all of the proper conduct, and at a certain point, it's just, that's the way you think. So a more extreme way to think about it is imagine you started playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons every day and you were paid to do it. So you would begin to abide the values and the terms of the game as your primary uh, values. And that would be your focus. Like your, those value that value system would translate into the rest of your brain just because you're interacting with others that abide the same structure. So it becomes like this virtual country um, but in this case, it's Dungeons and Dragons, and it demands your attention and that you participate in it at all times. So if that's your workplace, the same goes for that. So you're mentally participating in those terms at all times, when, when you're there and when you're not there. The reason that this is so damaging if it's left unchecked is that one day you wake up and after years of your life have gone into this set of rules, this game, you haven't noticed and so your brain has been playing along you've been abiding those that value system unbeknownst to you it's like you have been asleep so what i mean by asleep is you're literally on autopilot including all of your feelings and all of your thoughts they are within that framework so it's not actually you anymore it's just you plugged into this set of games or set of rules within a specific game so i'm going to now move on to a little bit of the science behind that, but I'm going to translate it into my words because it'll make more sense to me. <laughs> I think it's also easier to understand. So emotions are what record your memories. They burn them into your brain, feeling emotions associated with an experience. So if you have a feeling when you have an experience, that's what will make you memorize it. So you can have an experience that makes you think certain thoughts, and then those thoughts will signal your body to react chemically. 
That's just the way normal memories are made. But this also works backwards. So with habitual experiences, the things that you do without thinking, like driving to work in the same route day after day after day, those motions will still cause your body to fire up the corresponding thoughts and feelings. So you're reinforcing all of the feelings that are associated with those experiences. And so you're just hammering in the truth of those memories, even though you're operating strictly out of habit. And that's just when something becomes habitual and your body wants to do the same thing because it's done it before and it feels comfortable there. So that's when your actual body is piloting your consciousness. It's like creating kind of the groove by which you operate. And it's, it's your subconscious that's operating when you're on autopilot. But that means your subconscious, a.k.a. Hal 9000, is the being that is steering your entire life and your existence and your choices. And that's a scary state to be in because you're not really conscious. You're not really present. You are on autopilot. It's just out of habit. Think about it for a minute. In all of these cases, guilt, worry, workahol, stress, whatever it is, this is something that is on autopilot. It's just in your subconscious. It's just habit now. So it's something you have to manually untrain based on your logical comprehension of this trap, this habitual trap. Which leads me to part three, which is for anyone that is trapped inside of a bubble, this autopilot universe bubble, this is an invitation or a challenge um, to free yourself from this loop. Why? Because you are being autopiloted right through your life and you could be enjoying facets of it that you might have chosen if you were completely present and unafraid and meaning free from all of this muscle memory that is trapping you. So if you were not stuck in, let's say, the fear or the drama of your job or, or just the, the terms of your Dungeons and Dragons job, you might choose something else. Like you might want to learn a different job or write a book or go back to school, become a playwright or learn an instrument or maybe it just be a shift in your ability to be present with your family. Like if you were able to break your brain out of your work mentality, maybe you would be you'd be present at every single school function and you would not feel worried about it. You were you would allow yourself to take vacations and not check your email. That is something that is extremely hard for a lot of people and that is something that I think should change. So if you want to look into your life for case studies, meaning people that you know that suffer from this, just think about it for a moment because it's a common experience. For example, we all know somebody who constantly plays the loser despite who you see they are and how awesome you think they are. They will always play that role of like, oh, I never, I'm, I'm always going to I'm always going to mess up. I'm just never. That's just because it's their muscle memory and it's operating as a machine. So the body has no awareness anymore of an ability to shift because after a while, it just is. Like you can't even see that you're in it. So what happens to a lot of people is one day down the line, years later, 
something gives you a shift in perspective, like jolts you out of this bubble, like something, a major uh, milestone will happen that does not abide any of the rules of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, like, for example, a hovercraft comes through and everybody's like, what? That's not a that's not around in prehistoric times. I know I'm bastardizing Dungeons and Dragons. I apologize. <clears throat> well, but basically, if someone in your life, maybe like someone your age, dies young, or maybe you uh, reach a ma- major milestone marker, like you strike, you know, fifty years old or something like that, whatever it is, some milestone marker will jolt you awake, um, and you'll realize for the first time that you've been asleep. And it'll show up in this weird way where you you realize, like, wait a minute, 10 years just went by, 10 year, 20, 20 years in my job just went by, and I didn't, I didn't even like this job. And it's just like you've been robbed of so much of your life, and you didn't even notice it was happening. Or for some people, it's like when a kid, you know, finally grows up and moves away, and they're shocked. Like, how did that happen? I wasn't even paying attention. What? How did they get that? And that's like... Some people call it a midlife crisis. Somebody call it. Sometimes they call it a wake up call. Whatever form it comes in, it's just I think of it as a popped bubble. And so, what I'm trying to offer you right now is, you have the power to see outside of your bubble, whatever it is, right now. You logically know it exists. So your life can be whatever you want it to be. It's not as scary as your muscle memory might make you think it is. It's just about untraining the bad habits that you have fallen into, whatever they might be. Which brings me to the piece de resistance. A terrible French accent. Part three, which is the methods that you can use starting right now to break through the bubble and revolt. <laughs> so I want to invite you and challenge you to revolt against your trained-in muscle memory. And I say challenge because I want you to take uh, aggressive action and basically fight against your instincts because your instincts will likely not want to change. You've got to logically tell yourself to and then just overcome the emotions that might come up that might tell you you'd rather just stay in your crappy life the way it is because you deserve it and you're never really good at these types of things. Stop that. You can do this is what I'm trying to say. It's just going to take conscious effort and you're going to have to decide it based on logical knowledge and just stay committed to that because emotionally you might be feeling like you don't really want to do it and it's too hard and I don't know, maybe I don't really feel like that. You want to forget about it. Like you'll become, there are all these things in your body that are going to react because it's it's forcing a change and your body's really used to the other way of being. So Get used to that idea and decide you want it anyway. And it's not hard or painful. It just takes a leap of faith and it takes commitment. So it takes stamina more than anything else. It'll just feel uncomfortable. And so you might catch yourself saying stuff like, but I have to. I have to think about work. I have to be work. You are going to have to decide to accept the outcome despite the fact that you're worried about it. You just have to accept your lack of control and embrace the goal, no matter what. So it's kind of like that feeling when you turn off your phone and you freak out about it, thinking like, oh my God, everything might have evaporated and 
my house might have burned down and oh my god everybody's probably looking for me and and then you turn your phone back on and everything's exactly the same you don't even have an email so you just have to let go of that panicky feeling when it comes up and you're going to decide you're going to stick to this goal no matter what and in my opinion it's just like once you get a glimpse of your awareness outside of the bubble you just have to keep running like you've escaped a hostage situation. So you just don't look back until you, you're safe. You just keep running and running and running towards progress. And it's super, super simple. All the stuff you're going to do is just going to be consistency and staying aware. And you're going to have to use your logic to outsmart hell, meaning you're going to be going into the wires of your brain without following the voice guidance that's talking to you in a very stern tone. Um, so I'm going to give you very specific steps to retrain or uh, untangle the wires, so to speak. Um, and this is just to start to create um, awareness and undo the the uh, course, the grooves that have been trained into your habits. So there are five of them. And if you don't have a pen, I'm going to post this in blog form on my website, Teaspoon of Happy. There we go. Number one, intentional change of focus. So you're going to have to constantly redirect your focus away from the habitual bad habit. Whatever habitual bad habit. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> you're going to have to untrain the bad habits. And just whenever you have like one of those repeated negative emotions, like let's say you, you have a habit of worrying – you're going to have to force your brain to think about something else and keep redirecting your focus. Just like you're training a puppy not to pee on the carpet. Just again and again, taking your brain away from that spot again and again and again and just distract yourself away from it. And it's going to seem like it's never going to go away, but it goes away pretty quick. It's just you have to be consistent about not allowing yourself to dwell in the same thought pattern. And even if you can't convince yourself that the, the opposite is true quite yet, you can stop the thought process while it's in the middle of enacting itself. Um, number two, separate from your routine or just invite newness or try new things whenever possible. So just take different routes to work, try new activities, take on new hobbies, um, it's the same thing with like memory, like your brain stays fresh and active. If you do different things, you, you're always learning. So just to undo this just rut you have, just keep everything you can different and break any habit. Like even if it means you're going to do things less productively, just try. Just tr invite your eyes to look at different things on your way to work. Um, and if you have a routine that is very, very set in stone, just like that your life is that way, you can still redirect your focus in within your routine. So you can actually allow your mind to view the same activities, but to, uh, on a, within a totally different lens. So you can examine things in your routine in a new light. And like, for example, if you have the same set of people you have to be around, like you can mentally decide to analyze it from a different place. Um, so just in any way possible, invite newness. Number three, practice maintaining brain quiet and do this every day. And so if you haven't had this experience in a long time, I didn't 
recently, this is like probably, I would say a year ago, I'd forgotten what it was like to have complete and utter brain quiet. And it's like the closest thing I can describe it as, it's like this feeling you had when you were probably five or six or seven years old where you're, you're just kind of bored. You're just observing everything around you. There's nothing in your mind. There's no voice in your mind. There's no layer. It's so weird. And you're, you can hear everything around you very clearly. You can smell everything vividly. Every color looks very vivid. Like every tiny little detail becomes like on a speaker. It's, it's pretty awesome, actually. So your brain is not the boss of you. And if you're on autopilot, it's probably robbing you of, the, of your present experience. And that is the moment that is it right now. And your focus belongs in the present. And that's where you exist. So if you can't find a state of mental emptiness, like if you hear mental chatter when you wake up and when you go to sleep, um, like you just have thoughts running through your head nonstop, that's something you should begin to medicate um, with a physical practice of some sort. So something where you're actually manually forcing your brain to be quiet, um, like a breathing ritual or yoga, meditation. Um, I am a huge fan of yoga because it's not something you will get bored doing. It requires like uh, a lot of activity. Moving on, number four visualizations. Um, and this is a very, very key part of untraining negative habits in your brain. You have to visualize uh, a different future self that has escaped the bubble and is living awesomely. So whatever your dream self is, pick a moment in time that represents that self. Let's say you want to be a best-selling author. <clears throat> then you would pick a moment like, you're being interviewed by a bunch of uh, press people from very important places that are like, oh, my God, you're amazing. How did you get this amazing? And you're like, stop, I'm not that amazing. And you're in a fancy hotel in New York, maybe the Waldorf, even though I've never been there. Anyway, just pick a moment in your future that you will visualize and sit with that visualization and picture yourself in that moment and feel that way just like almost like you're reliving the best kiss of your life or something like that. Feel it very viscerally and just spend 10 minutes every day and first thing in the morning and visualize that future self. Experience it emotionally because that's the same thing, believe it or not, as having actually gone through it. Your body doesn't know the difference. Your body will, it'll basically stick in your brain as though it really happened. No joke, peeps. Uh, all right, number five, zag from others who force conformity. And what I mean by that is a lot of the time we fall into these habits with everyone around us. And it's because in the Dungeons and Dragons world, everyone else around you is really good at Dungeons and Dragons. So it's not a surprise that it's getting reinforced at all times to live by these terms because you're going to, everyone around you is going to be doing the same thing and you're going to be rewarded. You're going to be forming a community around these things. And when you're trying to enact change, it's going to be difficult when you're around other people that are telling you, like, no, 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 let's play Dungeons and Dragons. So you have to force yourself to disengage and or separate so that you're not falling back into those habits. And so you might find yourself making a lot of excuses to leave the room or just any conversation short, distracting them. Um, it's got to happen. Don't feel bad about it. Just 
don't allow yourself to get caught in the, the same old conversations because before you know it, you fall back in and then like a week went by and you're like, oh crap, I was doing all the same stupid Dungeons and Dragons stuff again. <laughs> I don't know how I picked that as a metaphor, but I did. <clears throat> so those are my five and... I guess I will just say, treat this like a revolution. A thought revolution. Resistance. Do it for the good of your life's possibility. Because you have control over your mind and your focus. So don't forget to use that. Just keep your hands on the wheel at all times. This is about awareness and consistency. Because it's really easy to fall back into that old habit before you even notice and you just you know, sometimes you wasted another month or another year. Um, so I, I just want to say as a disclaimer, I don't want to make it sound like all routines are bad and all habits are bad. Because when they come to self-care and when they come to um, things that put you more in your body and more in touch with what you want, those habits are good. Those are good routines and good practices. Um I think also when it comes to a really serious trauma or when you're managing a lot of pain and you're feeling very disconnected from things, like I feel like that's one one thing you really, really will benefit from is just a routine can be really, really helpful when you need stability. But if you're not in a state like that, try and break out of the routine because um, when you're trapped by something and you stop noticing how you're living every day, you're not living your day to the fullest. And um, I think all of the positive, growth-inspiring habits that you can add into your day will mean that all you have to do is just put down all of the things that are not serving you. Like, that's all that this is about. It's not about changing everything in your life, changing everyone in your life, getting rid of your job. It's just about being able to be mentally free from anything that you don't want. Because I know a lot of the time we get into a point of just settling because it scares us. It scares us too much just to think about change. And that is not fair. And that is not realistic. That is just this darned muscle memory. So you don't deserve that life. You don't deserve anything less than everything you want, truly. And it can be yours. And it's just about going for it. That's all it takes. Just going for it and wanting it. Just keep taking steps. And then one day, you have all of it. So I invite you to revolt against all of this negative muscle memory because at the very least, it means you get to have a peaceful weekend and you get to have an awareness of how great you are. You don't have to think anything bad about yourself ever. And that, that stuff needs to go. So I hope this helped. I hope it made some sense. (laughs) And, uh, I hope I didn't offend anybody that likes Dungeons and Dragons because I'm sure it's a very fun game. And, uh, if you like this, please review me on iTunes because it helps me a lot. And, um, I'll be thinking of you, cheering you on. Don't listen to Hell 9000. And don't forget to smile.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.